Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez, here with Aaron Keller and Upland Game Staff Specialist Sean Espinoza. Sean, at this point, I feel like you might as well just join us as a another host. Yeah, I'd like to. It's fun. <laughs> I know. We always enjoy having you here. And in the spirit of Thanksgiving, which is next week, we decided we'd do a turkey podcast. I don't think we've done one yet, at least since we've been hosting. Have yeah, you been I don't think here? so either. Yeah. So we're talking turkey today. Um, I think we'll just open up talking about the history of turkeys here in Nevada. Sure. Um, you know, they're not a native species to the state. Um, you know, of course, they're endemic to the U.S. Um, but really how they got here was translocation. And uh, it really started with uh, translocation of Miriam's turkeys. And the earliest translocation uh, that we did was uh, back in 1960 in the Spring Mountains, north of Las Vegas. Uh, surprisingly, I think everybody kind of thinks that the first turkey release in Nevada was in Little Valley uh, up above Washoe Lake, but that wasn't the case. That wasn't until 1963. Um, but since then, uh, we started working with Rio Grande turkeys a lot more just because they fit a little bit better in some of the three major river bottoms in Nevada. Uh, so the Truckee River, uh, the Walker River, and, and the Carson River, uh, and to a degree the Humboldt River as well, but there isn't quite the, the cottonwood component along the Humboldt River. Um, so uh, Mason Valley was the first place back in 1987 where we released uh, Rio Grande turkey in Nevada. And uh, since then, we've kind of added populations here and there, and uh, they've done pretty well. Um, you know, they're associated with the agriculture down there in those valleys. Um, you know, there's some cleaner farming practices today than, than there was back in the 80s, so it's reduced habitat in some areas to a degree. Um, so turkey populations are a little bit challenged in some of those areas. Uh, what we focused on here more recently is uh, Miriam's turkeys uh, sort of, I say that with a little tongue-in-cheek because they are sort of a hybrid turkey. Um, they're a little bit of a crossbred between a Rio and a Miriam's, but they work fairly well here in Nevada. And we've released, um, uh, had several release complements in White Pine County, uh, the Toyabe Range, and some in, in northeastern Nevada. And those have done pretty well for where we've released them. Um, they'd probably be doing a lot better if we had a little bit better uh, precipitation regimes here and, and not so much drought. Um, but still, uh, some of those populations are hanging on. And, uh, you know, as long as we get some better precip and uh, what they really rely on is uh, mass crop of, of things like pine nuts. And we haven't had a good pine nut year for, for a couple of years. So they're kind of just hanging on. So do we still have turkeys in the spring mountains? Not that we know of. Okay. Um, there was no follow-up work done on that that I could find. So mm -hmm. I think uh, that first release was probably not very successful, and they probably elected not to pursue it after that. More okay. of an experiment. Yeah, and surprisingly, too, the one in Little Valley, you think that those birds would have 
stuck in Little Valley, but um, not sure why that didn't take, you know, maybe there wasn't enough birds that released there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe there was no follow-up work conducted in terms of an additional release. So usually we try and do at least two years and then potentially another augmentation if we need to. So what kind, what species do we have in Nevada currently that we know of? Rios? Miriams? Rios and sort of a, a Miriam's hybrid with, with Rio Grande. So, um, and, and those, that bird seems to work well for sort of our inland mountain ranges. Okay. So where can they be found at this point in Nevada? Uh, basically, so we have several different unit groups where we have turkeys right now um, that extend all the way from southeastern Nevada in the Overton Wildlife Management Area, sort of that Moapa Valley, and then in Lincoln County. And that population in Lincoln County is doing pretty well, and that's in Unit 231 and 242. Uh, and then going north from there in Hunt Unit 115 near Great Basin National Park, uh, that population was doing really well. And then uh, we had a hard winter followed by two successive years of really bad drought. And so that population has declined. Um, getting up around the Rubies, we have a, a couple populations uh, in 101, 102, and Hunt Unit 103. That Hunt Unit 103 was just augmented a couple times with uh, 100-plus birds. So I think we'll have some additional opportunities there in the future, and a little bit in Hunt Unit 065. Uh, Moving to the west from there along the Humboldt River corridor, we have them near Battle Mountain. And that population along some of those ranch farmlands along the Humboldt River bottom is actually doing pretty well. And then south of there in Hunt Unit 154, the Toyabi Range, uh, we have a population in there. It's a newer population that we introduced probably five years ago or so, and that one's doing fairly well. It's a huntable population. We've actually had some folks be successful there. Um, the Paradise Valley of Humboldt County, uh, quite a few turkeys in there. In fact, uh, to the degree at this point, we're probably going to have to remove some turkeys from Paradise Valley. Um, there's 300 plus birds around the valley. They've sort of congregated in some of the near the town of Paradise, so we might need to alleviate that, potentially remove some of those birds and put them in Mason Valley. Um, Pershing County and Church in uh, uh, near Lovelock, uh, several birds there that exist on private lands. And then uh, moving south from there are Mason Valley Wildlife Management Area and then Lyon County in general. Uh, has a population of birds that continue to persist there as well. Okay. Mm. And we have you on all the time talking about how you, um, I mean, for chucker, we do chucker surveys and the different ways you track the different populations. How do we, do we track turkey populations or how do you know how they're doing? We don't really survey for turkeys. We kind of rely on the harvest data to tell us, you know, what's going on with the population and, um, you know, it's one of those kind of limited opportunities in the state of Nevada. But being that's a li- limited opportunity, we like to see harvest success be above that 50, 60 percent threshold. Once we start to see that that harvest success decline below that, then usually we manage tags a little bit more conservatively at that point. Um, so it is a species that we manage pretty conservatively. We used to have quite a few fall hunts. And because populations have not, you know, done quite as well as we have liked, we've eliminated the fall hunts in a lot of units. 
uh, to hopefully, you know, provide at least that, the hand component, because it was an either sex hunt, combine, uh, provide that hand component with a little relief until we get to the springtime. Um, you know, and that's one of those things that may or may not help all that much. We may do some things to adjust season length in the future. And when that season occurs, uh, potentially moving the cedar season later may help. Um, but uh, overall, we're pretty conservative right now with our turkey populations and how we manage them. Yeah, I remember when I started with the department, I moved out to Mason Valley and heard, and it was in the spring, like late spring, and I heard gunshots going off, and I was like, what is going on? First thing in the morning, I ended up being a turkey hunter. And every time anybody would come out, we'd see turkeys, and they couldn't believe that we had so many because they, they were pretty easy to find. And you'd see them roosted up in the trees at night and first thing in the morning. And Yeah, yeah cool in see. the spring before those cottonwoods leave out, you can see them, you know, in the early morning hours still roosting up there, and it's kind of kind of funny, and yeah. you, you see those big birds roosting up. In I yeah. can't like really that. picture it's it. <laughs> I've yeah. seen um, turkeys, like, just, you know, out and about in neighborhoods and stuff, but I've never seen a turkey roosting up in a tree. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Big old black bird sitting up in the tree. That is funny. And then their gobble <laughs> when they just make all that noise is pretty cool. That is. It's so kind of like an elk bugle, like very unique sound to hear when it's perfectly quiet and hear it forever for a long ways off. They're a pretty noisy bird overall. I mean, they're yeah. calling constantly and, and, and gobbling quite a bit, so especially in you know that springtime period. And same with the, the hens. The females, they make a bunch of noise too. Oh, yeah. It's kind of a racket when there's a bunch of them around. So. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool to hear. Um, and, uh, you know, in our landscapes in Nevada, it's just kind of one of those added bonuses that we have in the state that, uh, you know, wasn't here back in yeah exactly yeah we go out to paradise valley a couple times a year as well and there's so many birds out there it's it's crazy they're everywhere yeah and uh they've really gravitated i don't know if um you know the the issue always tends to be when people start to feed them Uh, um you know whether it's private land or whatever and, and start attracting birds and and that that creates problems especially with turkeys And big problems in the springtime because that's when toms tend to fight. And uh, oftentimes they'll see their reflection in a sliding glass door. Or they'll see their oh reflection no. in a car. <laughs> a car, yeah. They'll go scratch the side of the car or, yeah. you know, perch on top of the car and scratch <laughs> it up or, you know, defecate on it. So, yeah. and, and that's when usually we have to get involved, unfortunately. Yeah. I know I'm, I'm laughing, but at the same time, I would not be. I would not be happy if that was my no, car. No, I wouldn't be absolutely laughing. not. Right. And I remember One, stories of, of yeah. you know, kids at the bus stop and having turkeys come around and it's not good because they get real territorial and kind of defensive. Yeah, and that is, that's Yeah, and crazy. they're scary. They have big old spurs. They're like one inch long on the back oh of their yeah. leg and they get a little Another crazy. reason not to feed wildlife. Yes. <laughs> right. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Well, no. going um way back to... I'm I'm kind of backtracking here to the translocation efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, when we say translocation, how how does that work? Where did these turkeys come from? A lot of those first turkeys um, actually came. Those uh, Miriam's turkeys actually came from Arizona at the time, um, and then later on, when we started working with the the Rio Grande turkeys, uh, those came largely from from Texas. 
Um, we made several trips to Texas back in the late 80s, early 90s to move those birds to, to western Nevada. Um, through 2018, we had, I think, 57 different releases hmm. of turkeys in Nevada for Rio Grande. And um, we moved almost 2,000 birds to Nevada during a 1987 to 2018 time frame. So uh, it was, you know, a pretty large effort uh, over those years to try and get them established in the state. And then, you know, with these more recent um, Miriam Rio crosses, uh, we've had pretty good outlets in Utah and, and Idaho that have provided those birds, and they seem to have fit rather well in Nevada. Mm-hmm. Well, like we were saying earlier, it's one more thing in Nevada that we didn't originally have here. Right, right. And, and they fit a little bit of a niche here in the state, you know, along those river bottoms, uh, at least for the Rio Grande perspective, that, uh, that has worked and provided sportsman opportunity for a couple of decades now. And, uh, you know, we're looking for some of those uh, mountain ranges in the central part of the state that may provide additional opportunity in the future. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think we're going to take a break, but what we'll get into turkey hunting and also maybe some turkey fun facts. I'm just throwing that at you now, <laughs> Sean. After this quick break, you're listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Today we're joined by Upland Game Staff Specialist Sean Espinoza here for the first time talking about turkeys. Like you've been in here a lot, but this is the first time we're talking turkeys in celebration of Thanksgiving. And before the break, we were talking about all the different places they could be found, the different hunt units. Um, so how is, let's get into turkey hunting. Um, we have different turkey hunting seasons, right? We have fall and spring. Yeah, we only have one fall season and that's in, in Paradise Valley. Um, pretty limited to the, uh, the amount of tags that uh, a private landowner can can give out or is willing to give out so it's pretty limited there but our spring hunting uh, application period is coming up here pretty soon and folks will need to get their applications in by February 1st so still time but uh, that's you know one of those things for folks to get on their radar screen that you know be thinking about that in January about some potential places to apply for turkey when does hmm. do the applications open up or are they open they uh, not open yet i'm not sure yet when they're gonna oh, open okay. up Just yeah keep an eye on our endowlicensing.com yeah yeah okay and we have pretty good i mean from what you were saying you were explaining the hunt units they could be found we have good turkey hunting here in nevada it sounds like in a few spots yeah absolutely um we we give out well we're going to be providing I think 90 tags total for 2022 not including the the open quota hunt units for places like Lyon County and Paradise Valley so we'll have an additional opportunity there um, but some of the places uh, where at least last season the 2021 spring season that uh, we had pretty high success 
in Hunt Unit 151 and 152 near Battle Mountain. Hmm. Uh, low number of turkey tags available there, um, but I feel that you know eventually that turkey population is going to expand. Uh, and then Lincoln County, uh, down in southeastern par- portion of the state, had 86%. Uh, success rate so wow that's high that is yeah yeah and so when we looked at that we we decided to increase the number of tags available for uh lincoln county and then moapa valley of clark county that's been above 80 percent for several years now it's sort of a limited area to hunt because it's become so uh suburbanized down Mm -hmm. there um so there's some challenges there but we still have our overton wildlife management area where people can go and hunt and actually be successful there as well. But uh, Lincoln County's been uh, been doing very well down there. Hmm. And that's what you said was the hybrid kind of yeah. species? Yep. They're a, a mix between uh, Rio and Miriam's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're able to, like, expand into a little bit different habitat. And yep. Yep. Cool. Absolutely. And so, yeah, that's down, you know, like I said, area 231 and 242, but that population seems to concentrate around sort of that that Bunker Pass and um, Beaver Dam State Park area mm-hmm. down there. Nice. Any, while we're on the topic of hunting turkeys, um, hunting tips, either of you, for hunting turkeys? Uh, well, that <laughs> involves quite a bit of scouting. I was like, is this a bad question? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's. You it's both looked at me like, <laughs> you know, it's it's getting up early in the morning and basically oh, okay. going out and, uh, you know, glassing some of those cottonwood galleries um, and and finding the roost sites and figuring out, you know, kind of their movement paths throughout the day. And then, uh, you know, for more of our more inland populations or more mountainous areas, um, you know, it's really about getting out there. They're not going to be as visible because they're in some of those pinyon and juniper woodlands and, you know, sort of aspen stands. Um, There it's going to be listening, Uh, a lot of listening preseason, figuring out, you know, where those gobbles are coming from and then, you know, concentrating on those areas. Got it. And like you said, they're pretty noisy birds. Pretty noisy (laughs) in the early morning hours in the springtime. Yep, absolutely. And even if you're not hunting, I imagine it would be fun to just go out and, I mean, I'd almost be willing to go out and just look for turkeys because it's fun and hear them. Yeah, and they'll they'll (laughs) respond to some weird things, too, in terms of getting a a gobble response. Um, You know, guys often use crow calls or something like that and elicit a response from a gobbler. Uh, But I would imagine all sorts of different sounds out there you know natural sounds would would cause them to to respond and and gobble back at you yeah so. yeah i concur um <laughs> you, you can concur. actually just slam your truck door <laughs> sometimes and <laughs> they'll gobble. gobble yeah they don't <laughs> it's like i don't know what they do they freak out or something i was it's gonna say like what triggers their what triggers them to make those noises uh, <laughs> i think more of a territorial thing yeah like aaron yeah. mentioned earlier it's just like um I'm here. This is my territory. You know, don't come any closer. Got it. Yep. But as far as hunting, yeah, scouting it the night before and trying to find them in the roost and then kind of working the wind and working in on them is, but you got to be super quiet because in first thing in the morning, it's, it's dead calm. So they'll hear you and start gobbling away or go the other way. Got right? it. And they do have long legs. They can move pretty quick and get out of the way. I know. They're an interesting bird when you look at mm-hmm. them. They're, very they're fast weird. bird, yeah. uh, very fast flyers, and, um, 
yeah, they're pretty spooky and they have excellent hearing, like Aaron mm-hmm. said. And uh, just the slightest crack of a twig or leaf and uh, they're alerted. So, yeah. But also very hu- fun to hunt. That's what I wanted to like ask. Like almost addicting it, to hunt. Yeah. yeah, they're very fun. And you've got a few here, Sean, right? Yeah, I've yeah. I've I've gotten two birds here. Um, haven't gotten a tag for quite some time, so yeah. uh, I've got some points build up. So, trying to figure out, you know, which which one of those units I'm gonna save save those points for. What about eating wild turkey? I wanted to. I was gonna ask. So one, it's fun to hunt them. It sounds like, yeah. and then two. I mean, turkey is a known staple on the dinner table (laughs) yeah they're excellent eating uh but they uh, a wild turkey looks nothing like the turkey that you're gonna have for the butterball yeah (laughs) Yeah. uh quite a bit different um quite a bit skinnier than what you see uh store-bought turkeys how big is a wild turkey um so toms toms typically get between 17 and 20 pounds uh about that's still pretty big it's still pretty big yeah um, and the females are around 8 to 11 pounds, so hmm. quite a bit smaller. Yeah, we'll have to find some turkey recipes. Um, we always do our Wild Food Fridays. We'll have to post one. I'll go talk to Bobby. He puts those together. Yeah. We'll need to get a turkey recipe up there. Yeah, how do you cook your wild turkey? <laughs> yeah, I you usually smoke good. it. Smoke it? Yeah, mm-hmm. that sounds good. Yeah, and it always turns out great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of hard to mess it up. Just don't dry it out. I was going to say, is it pretty easy to work with? Yeah, I mean, you can do some things so that you don't dry it out, you mm-hmm. know, right. say like roasting it or whatever. But yeah, that that is something to be concerned with. Uh, but yeah, they're an excellent tasting bird. I've never had wild turkey before. My thing with turkey in general is just the dry, it gets dry to me. Mm-hmm. So but right. if you cook it right. right. Not as much fat on the wild turkey as yeah. there is on the one you find in in. Uh, in the store the butterball yeah, yeah. <laughs> um well we kind of talked on it a little bit but um fun we wanted to go over some fun turkey facts that you said so they're really fast you were saying very fast um you know and they're and they're they're great flyers a lot of people don't give them credit for how fast they are um you know i i think i've seen it recorded that you know they could fly up to 50 miles per hour so they're pretty fast uh, for a big bird um and they can live a long time. Um, you know, some females have lived up to, to 15 years, even in the wild. So uh, that's a pretty long-lived species for a bird. Um, they have a pretty high mortality rate in terms of the chicks or the poults is what they're called. And they're basically in that, or they're called a, a poult up to about a month old. And then from a month old till about uh, nine months old they're called uh, a juvenile bird and then from anywhere from nine months to 21 months they're they're called a uh, yearling bird and then after that they're just called adults um but uh and when they're in that poult stage that early stage they have a pretty high mortality rate uh, between 50 and 70 percent mortality during that that period so there's only a few poults that are going to make it from an individual hen from her nesting season uh, into that adult phase so hmm. i'm intrigued that they're called poults <laughs> is that just turkeys or <laughs> or are more birds than just turkeys well it's there? sort of i think more of a domestic term 
okay. And and mm. that's what you know. From like a turkey farm. Yeah. That's what they call them. Yeah. Yep. Huh. I'd yep. never heard that before. Hmm. I'm also still intrigued by the fact that they fly. <laughs> I've just <laughs> never seen a turkey fly and so fast. I mean, it makes sense. They're birds. They're they could be up in trees, but I've never seen a turkey fly. Yeah. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just weird to yep. imagine. <laughs> What were yeah, you gonna say? My Sorry, my favorite off. fact is that Benjamin Franklin nominated them to be the national symbol. Oh really? And so the the turkey lost out to the bald eagle by one vote. So the turkey was almost our national symbol? Yeah, by one vote. That's crazy. And so it became the bald eagle. So that's how <laughs> cool they are. They're such a, a interesting bird that's found all over the country and Right, and and I mean that was really the the staple of a lot of folks in in the eastern portion of the United States was was wild turkey, um, so much so that uh, well that and uh, considering some habitat changes that happened in the eastern portion of the United States, um, the population of turkeys in the 1930s was decimated. To uh, you know, some folks were becoming more and more concerned about extinction of the wild oh, turkey. And then in the 1950s, uh, the invention of the, the cannon net and some other capture type techniques offered the ability to translocate turkeys to areas where habitat was, you know, protected or under some sort of enhancement or improvement program. And in the 1950s through the 1970s, wild turkey movement and translocation really increased the number of birds throughout the United States to a point where, you know, we're probably at a point now where we're um, in some areas exceeding uh, historical numbers of, of birds. Um, so that's a great thing uh, from, a, from a turkey standpoint, but there are areas that uh, still uh, in the eastern portion of the range that aren't doing as well as uh, you know a lot of state wildlife agencies would like to see. Got it. Really yeah. interesting. And then it's also funny that when you say translocation, it sounds so official but really translocating birds is like grab them from here move take them to there and let them go like it's not real yep Mm -hmm. um there's a lot that goes into habitat assessment uh and condition before release uh to make sure that you know where you're putting them is going to sustain them so and and that's a that's a little bit more uh involved but um and then the source population you want to make sure that that wherever you're taking them from you know has some characteristics that match where you're taking them to so hmm. so it's really the work happens a lot of work goes into it before the translocation but the translocation yeah. itself is grabbing yeah some and not to mention all the disease testing requirements oh, that we true. have to go through whether it's interstate or in-state um you know it's pretty rigorous to make sure that we're not moving any types of diseases around um both from the the wild population standpoint but also from the domestic standpoint so um, there's all sorts of um, disease testing requirements like mycoplasma and salmonella. All that, all those things are tested for before the birds are moved. A hmm. lot goes into it. <laughs> um, and then before we go, I have to ask, what is a snood? <laughs> so, yeah, there's some pretty interesting uh, characteristics of a turkey. Um, the snood is actually that, that flap of, of skin <laughs> that hangs over the bird's beak on a tom. Um, it's a, it's quite a bit smaller on a hen, and then there's another uh, feature on the turkey's head called uh, waddle. 
And those <laughs> waddles so are those little wrinkles on the throat area that actually kind of fill up with blood, especially in the springtime. And those get really red uh, in the springtime. Uh, some of the head is kind of a bluish color, and then the top of the head's kind of got like a, a whitish color. So I think that kind of speaks to that kind of all-American aspect of the bird being it has that tom has that red, white, and blue colored head. Um, so that may have factored into hmm. why Benjamin Franklin wanted to nominate that them as the, uh, <laughs> the national symbol. Yeah, yeah, probably. Learning so much here. There's some facts you could throw out to <laughs> our <laughs> listeners could throw out to their friends. Yep. Well, thank you, Sean. That was really fun. I enjoyed having you on to talk about turkeys. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Glad we did that. And then remember, um, keep an eye on endowlicensing.com for our applications. Um, they're not up. It's not open yet, but um, February 1st will be the deadline. So thank you, everyone, for listening. And that does it for this week's Nevada Wild. Join us again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife.